Welcome to the Life and Times podcast. Sit back, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the vibes, and thank you for checking us out. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what annoys me? Mm, yeah, I know a few things, but what what's annoying you now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> When someone meets you for the first time and they're like, oh, it feels like I've known her forever since I see her always on social media. (laughs) It seems like backhanded to me. Is Is, Is that just me being sensitive? I don't know. I don't know. I never really got that impression. I always thought it was that you just love sharing pictures of me and kind of brag about me because you've said so yourself like you're proud and of course you know you love hanging out with me and I love hanging out with you um I think it's just I don't know I just I don't know I think it's your extroverted nature just showing through on social media like if I if we went out a lot more I think it would just be the same thing um Mm. like you would just kind of say like this is my wife this is my wife like that's what you did the um, for your reunion. Um, right. So I don't No, I just, I just heard that, that, that reunion, someone said that, and I just like in the back of my mind, I don't know if that's just me being weird, but in the back of my mind, I took that like as a backhanded type compliment per se. Oh, I never really felt it that way. Cause like your family says that too. I know. And I'd say the same thing oh, about really? family. Oh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that just me being weird and. I mean, I know. guess I could kind of understand where you're coming from because I guess like as a guy, you wouldn't normally be posting pictures that much of your, the woman you're with or like really with any, person it would just be like you or your friend you saying i'm a beta male (laughs) no i'm just saying like as far as standards and no of course i would never call you a beta male you know i don't i don't think you're a beta (laughs) beta but (laughs) yeah beta yeah (laughs) no i don't think so i think it's just and like you know how i feel about like masculinity and all that other stuff like i don't yeah I think if anything, you're just proud of where you are and you like to show off what you're proud of. And I just so happen to be a part of that. Like if you had some Mm. other things that you were proud of, like, you know, your podcast, for example, you post pictures all the time of that stuff. Like you have content and all that other stuff. So I think it's. And other things down the line. Yeah, and other things down the line. So, yeah, I think. I can see how some people would probably try and have like a slick comment to say, but also my opinion is like, if, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, whatever, I don't care. I'm happy. Mm. I love the person I'm with. So, and if, you know, if you want to say something slick, by all means do so. I'm, I'm, I'm too much of in a good space to put so much value on what you have to say. But I can understand sure. where you're coming from as far as, like, some people. Because it's just like, okay, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. nothing new. 
It's all good. Yeah. I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. Listeners, welcome back to another riveting episode of the Life and Times podcast, which is short for the Life and Times of a Restaurant Lifer podcast. I'm Adrian. You already know it's no BS coming from me. And for episode 10, I am joined by my lovely wife and former hospitality worker, mm-hmm. Lois. Mm-hmm. Say hello to the people, Lois. Hello, people. <laughs> All right, so uh, what social media are you going to? Yeah, Lois Codes. I haven't used Lois Codes in a while. It's It's been a while. Um, but I still find it important um, to use that because, you know, I like to, I still like to teach. I still like to mentor, but uh, I just haven't done it in a while. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. So, Lois, Mm -hmm. first question. Yeah. We always do this with our guests. Uh Uh, But I I know the answer because we're drinking the same thing. Oh, yeah. So, what we are drinking today, you know, everyone knows I'm sake poppy. So, we're going to have some sake. Mm Mm-hmm. And the sake that we're having is Kikusui, which is a Junmai Jinjo. Mm. Delicious, mm-hmm. refreshing. You get some fruity notes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's that's what we're drinking, folks. Lois, what do you think about it so far? Does it smell good? Oh, I didn't smell it. I just drank it. Still yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It smells very floral, smells very sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it tastes pretty good. I like it. I just enjoy nice. the taste of sake, so I'll just drink it and not like be one of those connoisseurs of sake and right. like smell it, swish it, drink it, swish it in my mouth. I just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next, we always do, we always have some positivity, Mm -hmm. and it's my opportunity as the host to give you flowers. So, Lois, um, you're one of the, what can I say? (laughs) What can I say that haven't said, like in vowels or birthday cards or any of that stuff? Um. Um... Okay, I got something for you. I got something for you. You're one of the most positive, positive, uh, intelligent, beautiful people I've ever met. <laughs> I know I've said that in a birthday card before, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with it. Um, you inspire me every day, mm-hmm. for sure, with how you attack the day. That's is it, something that's very unique when you have someone... That's in your corner, mm. but really in your corner, like pushing you, not just in your corner telling you everything's going to be okay, Right. but someone that's going to push you like a training partner, like a sparring partner, mm. somebody that really pushes you. Mm-hmm. The iron sharpens iron mm. uh, saying goes into play. And I'm honored to be your husband. Uh, you are the tiniest giant that I've ever met. <laughs> 
because if you know Lois, she has a little fire to her. Yeah. So don't let her being quiet or mm-hmm. smaller uh, confuse you mm-hmm. because she will she will uh, have some words for you. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to a lifetime with you, baby. So yeah. I'm going to say cheers to you. Cheers to you. Do I say, do I give you flowers or? You, you don't have to. You're giving me flowers by being the. 10th guest of the podcast <laughs> okay so uh cheers to you cheers to the listeners for sure yeah now lois mm-hmm. uh now it's time to set the table i ask a few questions for the listeners to be able to get a better idea of who you are what makes you tick mm-hmm. my first question for you is what was your first perception of hospitality workers growing up I don't have like a lot of really strong memories. I do remember like when I was like in high school and college, I always remembered I would tip as well as I could. Mm. Um, Like I didn't go anywhere really fancy because, you know, I was, I didn't make a lot of money. But I do remember like no matter if the bill was like 20 or $30, I'd always try and tip like 15 Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where that came from. Um, I feel like it would have come from my dad or something. Cause my dad has always been like wanting to help people and always Definitely. wanting to give people opportunity. Um, so I don't really have like any strong feelings, but I do know that I've never, I try not to look down on people. I try not to do that. I try not to uh, be like, oh, that I'm better than them because, you know, I don't do that job. It's more like I would not be happy doing that job because I don't want to have to deal with people like that. So let me, you know, at least give them the support they need. And, you know, I've always tried to tip well ever since then. So, Mm. yeah. What was your first job in hospitality? Um, does working at like McDonald's count? Cause I worked at McDonald's for a little while mm-hmm. and then I worked as a hostess for this pizza place. And I, I pointed that out to you when we were visiting my family. Right. Um, it's like some microbrewery now. Um, tell but- me more about that because I've heard, I've heard about working in McDonald's or the listeners have heard about that previous episodes because uh-huh. one of our guests, uh, her first job was, or her first restaurant per se was working at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So you tell us more about working for that pizzeria as a host. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. I hated working there. Um, okay. as you mentioned before, like you're extroverted, I'm introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a host, it was way out of my comfort zone. Um, and I don't know if we talked about this before, but w- the street that my parents lived on, mm-hmm. um, like one side is one district, one like county, I guess. And then the other side is a completely different county. Like actually, no, I didn't know that Montgomery is actually technically a city, um, 
Right. But people still call it Cincinnati, but it's its its own city. Then Indian right. Hills, um, I don't really know a lot about Indian Hills as far as like if it's a city or just like a neighborhood or what. But Indian mm-hmm. Hills tends to be very rich. So, you know, on my, my mom's side, like that area, it's, you know, pretty, like it's bigger houses. It's nice houses. And then on the other side, right. it's still nice houses but not necessarily as big like literally the house across the street from my parents house it's you know smaller but it's like three or four times more expensive than that so we're Mm. dealing with like rich people oftentimes and you know having to work at that pizzeria that's that's the type of people i was tending to cater to was more richer higher-end people um, so what I was tasked with doing is, you know, trying to sit people, obviously. Um, but you'd always have this, I don't want to sit here. So they'll just grab their stuff and sit somewhere else. And it's like, well, I can't do anything about it. I can't then just go to them and be like, that's not where I sit, set you. Mm-hmm. So you'll have, you know, the wait staff getting frustrated because some people are getting better, um, I guess guests, yeah, better guests. Um, But of course, being rich doesn't necessarily make you better. It just means you'll spend more money, not give better tips. That's true. Um, Some of the most most, uh, affluent people give the worst tips. Yeah. That's how you stay rich. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd also take orders. So people would call in, and I absolutely hate the phone. I hate it. I, I hate having to call people. It gives me such severe anxiety. Um, mm. And I don't know if you know this, but I do have social anxiety. Like, I don't always like yeah. to go out. Yeah, I mean, you know that. No, um, I know, of course, yeah. So, like, sometimes I get, I start to panic. I start to, like, sweat really badly. Um, I just stress out. So, like, having to take phone calls... I think that was probably the biggest reason I hated the job was because I had to take phone calls. Um, And I had to take orders, so that means I had to pay attention. And I'm not very good at being on the phone and needing to pay attention because I'm already doing something I don't want to do. So to do something else on top of it is already too much. It's asking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to take orders, um, and like that were require me knowing the menu um and I was kind of okay with the menu I think the one thing that I got in trouble for was that sometimes the waiters they wouldn't clean their tables and we were starting to get crowded and I'm like we need tables so I would go clean the tables and you should be at the door exactly so I was told hey you need to stop doing that but, I mean, if I stop doing it, it's not going to get done because the, the waste staffs, they're not doing it. They're running around mm. doing other things. So, like, how is this getting cleaned? Um, so, at some point, I think what really kind of made me stop working there was um, we had a family dog. And one day she ran off and she got hit by a car. Um, and unfortunately she wasn't saved. And I think at that point I was just like, you know what? I don't want to keep doing this anymore. 
and I just I stopped working there and I was I was more happy being unemployed than getting a paycheck so I feel that yeah that sucks yeah you could have probably you should have probably worked another position in the restaurant well I I try to try to work as a, a server but you know the transition wouldn't have worked still because I would still have to take orders. Yeah. And I was thinking more of working in the kitchen. The kitchen would have been nice. I would have liked working yeah. in the kitchen or, yeah. you know, being a, a dishwasher. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like some kitchen position where you don't really have to be bothered with too many people. I mean, other than your teammates in the back, but yeah. you don't really have to deal with a whole bunch of different people you're dealing with a closed circle so mm. you may have done been more successful that way but i put that more so on the hiring manager for mis misplacing you well you know? they only had positions for like host and server and honestly i never thought about like back-end house because i didn't even know that like was a thing i knew host mm -hmm. i knew server and that was pretty much it i never I never really thought too much about the back end because I do kind of want to try to be a dishwasher. Um, I do remember you this. You hated it. I think I probably would, but I do remember this one guy um, who was at the pizzeria, and he just had, like, this insane laugh. And his laugh made just being there a little bit better because it was just, like, a crazy laugh. And, like, he was just laughing a lot. <laughs> but it, What does it sound like? I don't know. It just sound. It was like ha 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 or something like that. It was just like an insane laugh where it didn't quite sound like a laugh, but it was like consistent enough where you're like, this has to be like a laugh or just some type of joy. So maybe he was crying on the inside. Maybe he was, and I was taking so much joy from it, <laughs> and, and I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> all right so last question for you mm -hmm. um do you feel that everyone should have at least one job in hospitality and better yet why absolutely um i do think people should have a job in hospitality um because i've thought about like serving people and the importance of service. Um, and I feel like people kind of have a better connection with other people when, you've, when you serve them. And it also kind of helps you to kind of grow into yourself. Because mm. as I mentioned before, I'm pretty introverted. But I do, but I did enjoy working at McDonald's. Like that kind of helped me get better and more comfortable being in a space where I would normally be uncomfortable. So mm. I think there's a lot of good, at least for people like myself who are pretty introverted and have social anxiety. It can give you an opportunity to kind of just feel more comfortable and confident in what you're, what you're doing. Mm. Well, you're, you're doing great. 
thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Once again, you're listening to the Life and Times podcast. And I brought my wife on because because of today's topic. Uh, if you check out her YouTube channel, Lois Coates, <laughs> one of her videos, one of her videos uh, dealt with the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And today's subject is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to look up the definition for you, mm-hmm. for the listeners, just in case mm-hmm. they have never heard of it because I'll be honest, I, I heard about it because of school, oh, but yeah. I never, never really had discussions about it past mm-hmm. college mm-hmm. being in psychology, but, um, the definition, definition of imposter syndrome is the condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, despite being high performing in external objective ways. This condition often results in people feeling like a fraud or a phony Mm -hmm. and doubting their abilities. So Lois, how, what do you feel about that definition? Is that pretty spot on or would you add anything to that? Um, yeah, I would say that's pretty spot on. Um, it's definitely like felt pretty intensely in like the programming space. Like if you're, if you're in technology, um, especially if you transitioned from something else into programming, like I have done, you definitely feel that. Um, and I'll say, like, it's a feeling that doesn't go away, but you just get more comfortable with it. I was going to say, like, let the listeners know. I Obviously, I know your story, right. but, like, you know, you went to college mm-hmm. for a completely different field mm-hmm. than what you're currently doing right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, let us know, like, you went because and what's relevant about this conversation, mm-hmm. just so everyone knows, is people have this feeling in, with imposter syndrome in every profession mm-hmm. you could you is plenty of people that are in high level restaurant jobs or companies mm-hmm. that didn't get formally trained i myself i did not go to culinary school i brag that i learned through the school of hard knocks mm-hmm. Luckily, I knew enough Spanish and I had the work ethic where I worked in a lot of kitchens and tough kitchens where they would eat up and chew, chew up and spit out plenty of people. Mm -hmm. But I survived. And during that whole time, I had that feeling of imposter syndrome because it was a completely different culture in the sense of. I don't know what all you're saying, but I'm learning. I'm being observant. I'm paying attention. And then when it came to, like, you're working at a higher level kitchen where you're surrounded with people who mm-hmm. went to Le Cordon Bleu mm. and all these art schools, and you have that feeling of, am I good enough? Or, 
what you would normally feel like, hey, I'm I'm killing it. I'm doing my job where uh, you just have that in the back of your mind. Like it is what I'm am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why I can say that I wanted you to talk about imposter syndrome, because that's how it personally affected me and my journey mm-hmm. through the hospitality field. But I want to hear tell the listeners about you and your story. Um, so I went to school for art. <laughs> I went to school for uh, video and animation. I ultimately wanted to get into visual effects. I did land in um, uh, visual production. So um, products, I'd visualize those. I worked at a recreational company. So like playgrounds, benches, shades, all of that other stuff. So I was doing what I went to school for, mm-hmm. in a sense, where I was doing 3D, I was doing lighting, I was modeling, you know, I was doing visual effects, because um, I would take playgrounds or benches, and I would take, or they would give us a picture, and we would put it in the space so that they could fully visualize it. Um, so I did things like that. I did videos, too. So I was doing what I wanted to do, but I was miserable doing it. Mm. And Why? because I, at that time, I was working in Carrollton. And for the people who don't know, Carrollton is about an hour west from Atlanta, 20 minutes mm-hmm. from Alabama. So mm-hmm. it's a small, I would say small college town. It's, um, as my mom would say, it's in the boonies. Um <laughs> And I was making like 40K back in 2014. Um, I, I thought the listing was for 50K. Um, and I remember when I was interviewing, and this honestly was a red flag. Uh, when I was interviewing, um, the recruiter told me, ask for 50. So I asked mm-hmm. for 50 and literally the VP um, and my director just laughed at me. They're like, we can't offer you 50. We're going to offer you 40. And I was like, mm. I, I, I'm going to take it. So, cause at that point I was struggling. Um, my, the issue was that I wasn't, um, building my network properly. So I wasn't really getting, um, the jobs that I wanted. The layups. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't getting the layups. That was my. I wasn't networking. I wasn't really building a portfolio. And like with that industry, it really does help that they know who you are and know what kind of person you are. Um, So essentially they know like what you're willing to put up with. And um, so I just, I just took the job and I worked there for about almost three years um and you know i eventually got like um pay bumps so i can't complain that much about it i eventually i think the highest i made was like 47 and the only reason i made that much money was because i think at the time obama was saying that if you made x amount of money then you don't you won't get paid overtime so as a salaried employee if you make less than x 
then you will get paid overtime. So they so, <laughs> so they, they more so were forced to do it. Yeah, they they were forced to do it. So mm. um, and I remember having conversations with um, my new director because the director that hired me, um, they eventually moved him out of his role and then eventually let him go. Right. And they let him go because they felt like he was making too much money. And they, they did tell us that. Um, They're like, we had to let him go. I mean, they didn't tell us that like once when they did it, but they did eventually tell us like we eventually let him go because so, yeah. he was just too expensive to keep around. And he was only making 50K. He wasn't making like a ton of money. <laughs> he wasn't making more money than... I mean, I was making close to what he was making uh, mm. before, like when I left, when I was leaving. Um, and I remember my new director was like, whenever we talked about, hey, you know, people are making more money in these places doing what we're doing, but we're going above and beyond. You guys should, you know, pay us more money. He's like, well, then just go work there. Um, and it was a very dismissive attitude. And I think at that time, I was reading about um, like the visual effects um, industry and how people were essentially working really hard but not getting paid. Uh. And um, I just was like, this this isn't really suiting me. And also at that time, um, as you know, I had just paid off like a huge debt, student loan debt, uh -huh. um, and I borrowed money from my parents so I was like I'm not making enough money <laughs> I need to do something that's going to make me more money um, and what's crazy about it actually is I made that decision when I was living like just outside of the city center of Carrollton which mm -hmm. at that time didn't have internet right like, the no. city well the like city it did it, but outside of it Oh. So, and I was like in the country. Like, you go outside, you immediately see the stars. Like, there's no light pollution whatsoever. Oh, wow. And, you know, I remember having like lizards getting into my apartment and, you know, frogs kind of just meeting me at the door. Um, I lived right next door to, I don't know if I told you this, but I lived right next door to, um, it's like a trailer park slash camping site. Okay. <laughs> so it was a mix of people who literally lived there and then like people who were just kind traveling. of traveling. Um, so I would also get like random dogs like showing up and being around my apartment. Um, so I was like, I'm so miserable here. Uh, but I decided to transition when I didn't have easy access to the internet because at that time um, it was pretty much use mobile data but mobile data expensive. was yeah. expensive at that time yeah super expensive like yeah. five gigabytes of data could be like eighty dollars a month and I was not making enough money to afford um, eighty dollars a month mm. I owed my parents money and my driving force behind wanting to get better or get paid better was 
I didn't want to ruin their retirement. So what I did, um, I tried to use what mobile data I had. Um, I think I had Verizon at the time and I switched uh-huh. over to T-Mobile because T-Mobile had like this deal where you get like double what the competitors were, but like half the price. So I was paying like uh-huh. maybe $80 for like 16 gigabytes. So I was like, this is, this is good. So what I did, um, I used mobile data sparingly when I was at home, but I'd go to McDonald's, which was 24 seven, and that was about 10 minutes away. I'd download things. If I needed really good internet, I'd go to Starbucks, which was about 30 minutes away. Uh-huh. Um, I would download all the material I needed, watch whatever videos, um, you know, I'd screen record, um, if the videos were, if I could download the videos, I would, I would try and do whatever I could that didn't require the internet. So I would do all of that and then I would drive home and I would just spend the rest of the day just studying. Um, right. I would study at work. I would study cause I lived about 10 minutes away from work, which is really convenient. So I would go home for work and I'd study. And then there were down times at work, so I would study then. I'd go home, mm-hmm. I would study. You know, get up early, I would study. I just spent, you know, every waking hour studying, learning how to program. Mm-hmm. Um, I used Free Code Camp to kind of get me started. And then you I would. Said free Free Code Camp? Yeah. It's like freecodecamp.com mm-hmm. or freecodecamp.org. I don't remember which, but. Gotcha. Um, I used them to like kind of get the ball rolling and you know I studied for about six months and that that's when I got my first tech job I remember uh, it was like December it was like December just after Christmas I was with my parents and I was sad because I still didn't have a job I was like, I don't want to do this again next year. Like, I don't want to be here in a year. Mm. And I told myself, if I don't get a job in tech in a year, I'm going to quit and just work at McDonald's because I hate Really? It. Yeah. I, I didn't hate, know that. I absolutely hated working there because I was mm. mad that um, at that time I was creating, like, um, interactive experiences. So I was using Unity. Um, which is a game engine. I was um, learning how to use C-sharp to make these interactive experiences. I was learning how to program, and I was trying to apply it at work as well. Um, And they were very dismissive of it. Like, they were, they would outwardly say, like, this is great, we love it, our customers love it. But they would just stop at that. They wouldn't do go any further. And I was just getting frustrated and I already hit my ceiling. I'm not Mm going to make more money than this and I'm not going to get a job past this. Like I'm not going to get a better title. You pretty much hit the ceiling. Yes. And I was like, I don't. And I was, I applied to like 3D uh, virtual or not virtual, uh, like, um, you know, product visualization jobs too. The pay wasn't better. It was like 50K. So it was like 3K more than what I was making. Right. But I remember with the interview, he was telling me like, oh, we made this, 
you know, visualization. Why don't you do this visual visualization for us and we'll see what you got. Well, effectively they So basically you do the work for Exactly. For, and if yeah. it looks good, then why like they might hire me, but at the end of the day they get something free out of me. And I was like, "You know what? <laughs> I'm done. I don't need this." So um, anyway, in December, I was like, if, if I don't get something, I'm going to quit and I'm going to just work at McDonald's and I'll just have multiple jobs and I will do whatever I can to pay my parents back. Well, luckily for me, this recruiter called me and she's like, I have a job that I think you'd be really good for. I didn't think I was good for it. I was like, no way. They're not going to hire me. But she's like, no, just let me submit your resume. And I remember my mom always told me, don't say no, let them say no. Let them say it. Yeah. yeah. So I took that in and I was like, you know what? If they really don't want me, they can just, you know, ignore it or just say no or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I let her uh, submit my resume. And then um, I remember I was scheduled for an interview the next day. Or not, it wasn't the next day, but it was like a few days. It was just before New Year's. Or okay. It was, no, no, no. It was the day after New Year's. Okay. So I guess New Year's Day, so like the second. Um, and it was just a great interview. It was absolutely wonderful. I was like, oh, yeah, I nailed that. Um, and I remember they wanted to interview me that coming week. And I was like, I don't think I can take off that soon. So, you know, it was the week after that that they decided to interview me. Uh Interview went great. And I got a job within a month of making that declaration to myself. Nice. Um, And I did that for a few years, and I've just been programming ever since. So let's let's get to the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So... You yourself, you just finished saying you're a self-taught programmer. You, yeah, I mean, you basically had to go to a public place of business like a McDonald's to use their Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. to actually go through tutorials and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm... I think it's pretty safe to assume your peers, like at your other, I mean, once you got to that job, mm-hmm. your peers are either, they went to school formally for this, or in the case of something that I did learn uh, recently, or in the past couple of years with you, mm-hmm. they spent a whole lot of money for these coding camps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you basically buck the system you did it guerrilla style you taught yourself you went through some free camps took whatever information from there and you applied it to getting a position a position that was well paid paying compared to Mm -hmm. where you were Mm -hmm. so did imposter syndrome i know the answer to this did imposter syndrome rear its ugly head at any point of your your first programming job? Um, yes and no. I think the okay. first couple of months was great because I was fortunate enough to work in an engineering department that was very accepting of me. 
um, okay. and really excited about me. Um, just because I don't know, I think it's just because they were hiring because <laughs> I think they, they kind of got a little stale. Um, so as far as like hiring, so I think they were just like now starting to hire more people. So I think they were just excited. Um, so it wasn't too bad at first. Um, in fact, like I think I had a lot more opportunities that boosted my ego than kind of uh, squashed it. But it did eventually, absolutely. Um, and it still does. Like, I'm never going to be free of imposter syndrome. And I'm okay with that. Um, and I think it's one of those things that, because um, I was watching, like, this <laughs> this Instagram uh, story about it. And it um, he was pretty much saying, like, imposter syndrome is really just reminding you that you, or is essentially telling you that you don't belong. And by all accounts, someone like me, I wouldn't typically belong there. Um, I didn't get a degree in there. Uh, programming is uh, traditionally very cis, white, you know, straight, male. So, you know, there's always going to be a tinge of imposter syndrome just simply by the, the my existence. Mm. Um, so it's a question of do you embrace the imposter syndrome or do you fight against it? And you have to think about imposter syndrome kind of like a wave in the ocean. Like you can always fight against it, but at some point you're going to just get tired with it. So you might as well just go with it. Um, as they would say, go with the flow. So, you know, just, you know, as it comes, have moments like that remind you of like why you were there. Because again, no company is just going to hire you for the sake of hiring you. Right. Companies might look at you. Because um, I've, I've had this happen to me. I've had people say like, oh, you'll get, you'll get the job because you know, and they would never outwardly well, say it. Because you're a black woman? Yes, they would never say it, but it's like, I knew what they meant. Um, I would mm. get the job because I'm a black woman, which has never been true. Because if I, if I could just get a job because I'm a black woman, why didn't I work at Disney? Why didn't mm. I work at Pixar? Like, why haven't, ha why haven't I gotten the opportunities to work at these big companies because I'm a black woman, if that's, right. if that's the reasoning? Right, right. Um, or even as a programmer, why am I not working at Google? Why am I not working at these other companies if, if it's simply because of my race and my gender? Right. It'll help me get to the door, but that does not mean I will be able to walk through it. There's still a whole process involved in order for me to get through that door. So um, – I say all of that to say, like, imposter syndrome is never going to go away. You just kind of have to deal with it and, you know, have, like, have reminders of why you deserve to be there. Um, and I have those moments more times than not, but I will have a bad day. And For sure. When I do have that bad day, I just, like, I just walk away. Um and I'll just, like, go out. I'll just walk around. I'll sit. I'll sleep. I'll do whatever I need to kind of just bring my energy down. Um, 
But, you know, it's gotten a lot better. And I don't... Yeah. It's not as, like, intense. But, yeah, it's, it's just a feeling that will never go away. Hmm. So, so what's, what's ultimately your advice for someone who has that feeling? Because I, mm-hmm. I know that... I know from firsthand experience that that feeling sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And as you know, like I once when I started feeling more comfortable programming, I eventually started mentoring and teaching Mm -hmm. Um, because that's that's something my dad always like was really passionate about was um, mentoring and teaching, Um, even though he hated teaching. I, I actually do hate teaching. Really? Yeah, he didn't. seem like he would be a good. Um, he seemed like he would be a good teacher. I remember him teaching. I want to. I don't remember what the the college or the university was, but he was teaching, and he just didn't really like it. Um, and I don't necessarily think it was like the act of teaching. I think it was just the people he was teaching. Um, yeah. And I've had that experience too. I've taught adults. I've taught high schoolers because when I was doing 3D, um, when I was working on my master's, I was teaching 3D to high school students, which was mm-hmm. very hard. Um, yeah. It was made worse because like these were college or these were Chicago high school students. So it was a lot of inner city high schools. And these were like the best of the best, but a lot of them were immature. Some of them, you know, didn't. They were spoiled. They, they didn't give. They didn't really no, no, care. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that because it was really? a lot of it was a lot of black and brown kids. So like some of oh. them didn't actually have like a house to live in. They were like oh. almost like okay. couch surfing. Some of them like, you know, they just had their their dad because like their mom passed. Um, I remember, like, they would have jokes about, like, so-and-so didn't show up because, you know, they were shot dead and they were killed. And that was their joke. But the sad thing was, I can't say that's not true because it could have been. And I can't say, like, oh, I didn't hear about that in the news because, you know, they're not going to report that. Um, It's definitely not going to be first-page news. And it, it, it it may make the news, but might not so you know i i taught a a a range of people um mostly like just high school and up i've never like taught younger than that Mm um but you know i i'll tell my students all the time like this feeling it sucks you're gonna have it you're technically not you're not taking like the normal route. Even those who are in boot camps aren't taking the normal route. Right. And some could even kind of like a shortcut. It's like a shortcut. It is because within that industry, yeah. Yeah, you're you're taking like six months to learn something that takes some people like four years. Now, to be fair mm-hmm. though, computer science is not the same as programming. Computer science okay. is all theoretical, essentially. Um, because you're learning how the hardware and how the software works. Um, mm. And you're getting more in, involved with like um, just like how to create like images, how to render those, or like how to um, make sure that the hardware and the software work well together. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you're programming. So even people who take computer science um, as a degree, some would argue that even they are, you know, outliers when it comes to programming, which isn't true. Mm. But I, I mean, people will make that argument. I've I had some people like or I've read somewhere um, people saying like, oh, well, computer science, like, you know, I I'm, you know, transitioned. And I mean, even people who have like computer science degrees, like, you know, uh, bachelor's, master's. Mm-hmm. Even them, like the, even they struggle with imposter syndrome. It's not unique to someone like myself. It's not unique For sure. to people who transitioned or who took boot camps. It's very real for people who have that computer science degree, who would be considered, you know, a, like a, a typical um, programmer who could be looked at and be like, "You're a programmer." They also still face imposter syndrome it's not a unique thing I think the people who uh who probably don't struggle that much are probably the ones who feel who have the most confidence but like that confidence is borderline arrogant and and um pretty annoying I think are you saying that I'm annoying no I wouldn't say that um I honestly I, I don't think that you're um I think there's moments where you are humbled and you take that experience, you learn from it and you try and be better. So I would never call you arrogant. Yeah. I would call you confident because confidence can sound arrogant, but the thing with confidence is experience arrogance. You can, you can still have that confidence, but not have the experience. And it's fair it kind of shines through. And I've, <laughs> I've definitely uh, worked with some people who definitely had the confidence, but not the experience. And it, you can see it with, with their work. So mm. um, I say that to say, um, you know, I like I always try and tell my students, you know, your first job is probably going to be stressful, just because you're going to have moments where you're going to make a mistake. And I remember an engineer telling me uh, at my first job, you're not a real programmer until you, you break production, mm. which is pretty much <clears throat> like the app, like the application that people will experience, like users will encounter. So mm. that made me feel a little better. Like, okay, well, you know, if people who are really smart, really capable and you know have all this experience are comfortable and just willing to just go for it even if it brings down the whole site then what do i have to worry about so i do keep that in the back of my head and i do tell my students that too like you know maybe you're not you're maybe you're like you're a programmer until you you break prod but i don't necessarily encourage them to break it but you know i say that to say you just need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you're going to have that a lot more, uh, especially as you move up. And, that's, yeah. That's perfect advice. Yeah. Be be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And have have faith in yourself and your abilities. Yeah. If 
I meant you should be there. And that opportunity, the opportunity of employment, wherever you are, uh, make the best of it because you're going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be points of adversity or Mm -hmm. obstacles and that sort of thing. So just have confidence in self, continue to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that would probably be my advice for anyone dealing with imposter syndrome. Like, you know, don't, don't just rest on your laurels. If you got to a position, don't just be okay with that. Just continue to try to learn and apply as much poss- as much as possible so that if another opportunity presents itself, mm-hmm. then it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I like the feeling of the imposter syndrome because the more comfortable I get, the more confident I am with picking something else up. Um, cause we've been looking at financial advisors and I've been thinking yeah. a lot about like retirement, even though I'm not going to retire for God, maybe 20, 25 more years. But right. even then it's like, well, what am I going to do after this? Am I going to be right. completely retired or semi-retired? And I know I'm going to be semi-retired, but I won't, I might not program. So what would I do? Um, Uh, I remember I was talking to my mom about it because it was for me, it was like video animation. And if that didn't work out, I would probably get into welding or forgery because I really liked metal. I liked working Mm -hmm. with metal. So, you know, I've been thinking like, man, maybe I could become a welder Um, because I I miss it. I haven't done art the at the same rate that I used to. But I've thought about doing other things that have nothing to do with art. But I think when you start to build that comfort with, like, the feeling of not belonging, but still feeling accepted or still, like, kind of crushing it, then you can move on to something else and still continue to crush it because you know what the feeling is, you know what to look for, and you can overcome it a lot quicker, a lot easier. So yeah okay all right so uh listeners if you are dealing with imposter syndrome take our advice (laughs) know that (laughs) know that you're not alone and that uh the feeling may never go away Mm -hmm. so you should embrace it and you not just embrace it but flip it and use it as a motivator yeah and use it as an opportunity for you to continue to work on your craft to work on your profession those of you in the hospitality industry if you're running a kitchen for the first time and you start to have that imposter syndrome use it as a motivator to continue to work on your craft Mm -hmm. it's never too late for you to learn something new if you're outside of the hospitality industry same exact thing Mm -hmm. You know, there's plenty of resources out there. Libraries do exist still, folks. Like, if you want to read on something, hell, go online, YouTube it. I guarantee you can learn something at least 
at least a quarter of the time being on YouTube, you can yeah. learn something. So it is what it is. I'm learning how to edit videos. I just, I'm going to edit this podcast to the best of my ability. And that's because I care and I want to present the best thing to the people. So, yeah, you've been doing a great job without, thank you, baby. You know, learning all of this stuff on your own. Um, yeah. It's not easy. Um, and sometimes it won't get easier. But yeah. as long as you stay with it, realize what your motivation is, keep that, you know, at the forefront of your mind, you can definitely go pretty far. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is another thing we do weekly, Lois. Are you <laughs> ready? Are you ready to answer the question left from last week's guest? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Seth. Uh, he was last week's guest. Y'all check out that episode. It was a wonderful discussion on uh, the toxicity of grind culture. Terrific episode. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. But his question for you, Lois, mm -hmm. be prepared. In fact, get a little sippy sippy of your <laughs> sake. Okay. All right, his question. Outline the benefits of sleep deprivation in terms of separating yourself uh, from society. Like depriving yourself of sleep? Like what are the benefits of sleep deprivation? I mean, I guess it's like a good way to get high for free, right? Okay. Um, that's that's a point. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I've pulled all nighters. I've slept. You know, I've been in situations where I only slept maybe like an hour or two over the course of like forty-eight hours or something. Jesus. Um there is a loopiness to it all. Um, mm. There's, um, I mean, there's, but I got to talk about the benefits. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you get loopy, you get delirious, you start to, uh, I would say kind of hallucinate a little bit. Um, mm. So if you're looking for like, I guess a safer, um, way, well, it's not safe, safe, but I guess it's a lot safer than potentially doing something that could kill you quicker. So if you're looking Fair. for something that won't kill you as quickly, um, deprive yourself of sleep. Um, that's what you should do kids. Uh, okay. um, you can get a lot of stuff done. Um, if you know you're continuously working but i mean like that's up to a certain point because at some point you're going to get you're going to start getting loopy right. and you're not going to be as functional but that's the benefit as well because you know you're trying to get high but um 
before all of that, you can get a lot of stuff done. You can kind of experience the world late at night when everyone's asleep, which is definitely a nice experience. Um, true. So like not on like a Saturday or anything, like when people are still out and, you know, they're stumbling around drunk and everything, but like on a, you know, on an off week, I guess, for a lot of bars and clubs, you kind of get to experience the world silent. But um, sleep deprivation, that's the only two points I can think of. Or no, that's three points. Getting stuff done, you know, getting high, and traveling the city late at night and not being disturbed. Um, and like, you won't have to worry about people harassing you too late at night. Cause if you don't look like you have money, people won't talk to you. <laughs> this is fair. So. so what's, what is your question for next week's guest? Um, so, you know, I was struggling to figure out a question and I'm still struggling to figure out a question. Okay. Um, I've been going back and forth, but I think I might just go with the hypothetical that you okay. and I were talking about. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it's not technically a hypothetical, but uh, we were talking about uh, Ocean Gate um, and that submersible uh, and the search and rescue behind the submersible. Right. Uh, so my question, and then we were also talking about the refugee boat off the coast of Greece that was capsized. It's actually been, it's actually been two recently. Oh, okay. So. To happen. Um, one was in Spain. And oh, okay. the one that I pointed out to you was, was the on the coast of Greece. Of Greece. Yeah. Correct. Um. Where hundreds, listeners, hundreds of people, unfortunately, passed. Yeah, about three. Hundreds of immigrants, people that were, like, essentially forced to be on this boat to free whatever BS that was going on in their home country. So, yeah, it's yeah. super nasty. But go ahead, Lois. Yeah. So, my question would be... You know, search and rescue is not a cheap endeavor. And the question can sometimes fall, who's going to pay for this? Um, The hypothetical is taxpayers would pay for it. My question would be, between the submersible going missing and the capsized boat, you as a taxpayer... Which one would you feel more comfortable having your money go towards as far as the search and rescue? Okay. All right. I'm with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks. It's it's dreary. It's dark. It's It's definitely dark. It's the world. It's the world. um, And I think we had some pretty good uh, conversation around, you know, search and rescue and, yeah, you know, the luxury of ex- exploration or the, the horrible thing of just doing things out of necessity and the need mm. to help your family. 
and do whatever you can for your family. And those types of conversations were, they were really nice to have. I always have really great conversations with you. I always enjoy. Yeah. I always enjoy our little hypotheticals. You enjoy them. I do enjoy them unless I'm really tired. <laughs> and you're just like always asking, or you ask me like a question that I've answered already. And you're just asking me again, like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, the same thing that I, I said last week. Because <laughs> we, we started talking about um, Mount Everest and how mm -hmm. you can't climb Mount Everest without having rescue insurance. Um so like that type of exploration, that type of exploration vacation, essentially. Right. You know, would that need to be more of a requirement for stuff like that submersible? It's or, fucking stupid. Um, it's fucking stupid. I'm sorry. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's the world we live in where, unfortunately, we value the people who take the most. Um... And we kind of disregard the people who probably need assistance the most. Um. Definitely. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last. <laughs> yes. Last, last uh, contribution. Uh-huh. You have to add two songs to the Life and Times playlist. Listeners. Life and Times playlist, look it up on Spotify. It's a curation of great songs, vibes, moods, whatever the hell's going on in your head uh, from the host, Adrian, and our weekly guest. Mm -hmm. So, Lois, what two songs are you adding? Um, I think I'm going to pick the two songs at the top of my Spotify on repeat list. Okay. Which is gonna be dead on the Fourth of July by the Flashbulb. Okay. Uh, and then follow me by OG. Okay, so I know OG. Uh huh. But tell me about the first song. Um, it's not like it's very instrumental. Um, and you know me, I like instrumental. Right. And that's all I can really describe about it. It's instrumental. Um. I don't know. I just really like it. That's fair. Um, I would and say shout out to OG. Yeah, OG. That I really like that song. Follow me. Um, mm -hmm. Like instrumental music really centers me and gives me focus. But like anything mm -hmm. with lyrics, if it can center me, then I'm really into it. Okay. Yeah, I did have another song I wanted to add. Where Where I Go um, by NX Stories. So you're just breaking the rules. I'm not breaking the rules. I was going to add it, but then I realized it's about cheating. And I was like, ah, oh, I shouldn't add that one. <laughs> I shouldn't add that one. You, you can add it. I'm not going I'm to. Because it made me, it was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. But I'm not going to. But I am going to okay. throw it out there because why not? I'm okay. an agent of chaos. <laughs> I, I see. All right, my, my two songs. Uh, first one, mm -hmm. Fela Kuti. I got another song from him. Mm -hmm. 
Mr. Follow Follow. Mm-hmm. And doing research on that song is about, I mean, if you've done, if you've listened or read anything about Fela Kuti, he had big issues with that local government and the army being against him because a lot of his music was liberating to that to the people and speaking on the injustices and how corrupt that government was. So Mr. Follow Follow is pretty much calling out the army, mm-hmm. which they were essentially the henchmen. Mm-hmm. So uh, great song. I mean, it's, it's always a great production. It's Fela Kuti, Mr. Follow Follow. Uh, second song. I'm going to pick something off of this Young Thug album because <laughs> cause I I definitely enjoyed it. I'm going to put I'm going I'm going to break my rule of having a song with Drake in it, but <laughs> Oh you went Young Thug Drake. I just love the song. I love the vibe to that song. Uh there, it, it's just some. It, it sounds like some creepster ass song. Like, in fact, that's what the end bumper is gonna be. Of did I show you that edit that I made of Jimmy Del Rey? The rest of that, that guy who does that thing. Yeah, yeah. That body roll. Yeah, you showed that. Yeah, to yeah. Me. That, that's gonna. <laughs> that's gonna be the end bumper for this episode <laughs> because. It's just a vibe that I get off that song, but I fucking love it. And Mm -hmm. it's a great song and a free slime for sure. All right, Lois, how do you feel? This is the end of podcast. Um, I feel pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good. Uh, I hope I was able to answer all your questions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You did good. You did good kid. Thanks, sir. All right, Lois, let the people know how can they follow you and Uh, plug Lois Codes because someone may want to learn more about coding. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Lois Codes on pretty much all major platforms. So it's Lois underscore Codes. Um, I think Instagram might be a little different um, just because Lois underscore Codes was already taken. But it's mm-hmm. Lois underscore codes on all socials. Um, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And for those interested in programming, you can also find me on dev.2. Um, I don't really have many blog posts. I think I only have one. But um, that blog post is on C Sharp and how to like make a... How to make a C sharp application on a Mac? Um, so yeah. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Was that the most viewed video on your yeah, channel? Yeah, it is the most viewed. Um, I definitely want to get back into it, but it's very time consuming, and definitely. I just need to kind of figure out my time a little bit before I get back into it. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, listeners, uh, once again, this is the Life and Times podcast, which is short for the Life and Times of a Restaurant Lifer podcast. Please follow us on uh, Instagram and YouTube at Suplex Dinner Club. That's the home of two of my projects. Mondays, we talk college football on Dogs versus All Y'all, where we don't just talk about the defending national champions, the two-time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. We talk about all things college football, hence All Y'all. And on Wednesdays, of course, y'all know the vibes is good conversations with some great people on the Life and Times podcast. So, and I mean, for those of you who are into pro wrestling, I am one fourth of the mighty All Marks Pod crew. The name of that podcast is We're All Marks Anyways Pro Wrestling Podcast. So, we talk pro wrestling, we talk hip hop. All kinds of stuff. It's good, good conversations going on over there. So shout out to all, all those good guys. So Lois, thank you again for joining me, love. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Listeners, I love you too. Don't, don't feel, don't feel left out. I got enough love for everybody. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the listeners. Uh, Lois, we have some international listeners, just in case, just so you know. Um, I I'll don't check. know any language besides English, so. Um, <laughs> oh, Mia Moore? No, we... Is that it, my love? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's French, right? Yeah. I thought that was No, Swedish. we have Mia Moore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of drunk right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> unfortunately. It's... No, we, I saw we have... A listener from Canada, so shout out to them. Mm-hmm. A listener in the UK, shout out to you. We also have listeners. We've had a listener in Switzerland. Nice. So, shout yeah. out to them as well. So, uh, Suplex Dinner Club, we're trying to grow, and you guys are going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Take care of each other, and... There was a saying that, shit, man, there was a saying that I heard, and I was like, man, I'm going to steal that shit. <laughs> so now now karma's like, nope, you're not going to steal it, yeah. asshole. Come up with your own stuff. <laughs> the work's not done. It's never done. How's that? <laughs> that was good. Was that bullying? Oh, that wasn't bullying. You need you need okay. to say that with intensity, and I think you said that with the right amount of intensity. Work's not done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next week, man. Peace. Hey, you went flying, Billy Spur. Hey, you went dry around the world. Hey, you went brown like squirrel. Hey, you went Chanel pearls. Hey, you went Rolls Royce car. Hey, you went Rolls Royce truck. Oh, you want to walk with all my hoes. Oh, you want to line it all up. Hey, I'm going to play it how it is. Hey, I've been playing for some years. Hey, you trying to steal all the field. Hey, I'm in the field. I just don't. There is the red button. Listen, just don't touch me, man. That's all I'm asking. Do not touch me. You are a sick man. What is wrong with you? The sickest. Oh, you went big stone. Oh, you made two of every year. Oh, you a sick.
Oh, you <laughs> 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 Well, that's not the way that it sounds, Maul. 